Good evening, everybody. We are here with the 65th. 65th. Yeah, 65th uh, Q&A. May 1st. May 1st. Today mm-hmm. is May 1st. And uh, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We have questions today. If you know that we start at 6 because we have night curfew. So we try to finish by 8 and then go home. So we welcome you once again to this session of Q&A. And we pray God will give us the wisdom, the discernment. The Spirit of God would comfort you. Some of the questions will be from people who are going through a rough patch. Mm. So I pray God will answer you and the Spirit of God will comfort you. And uh, Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer before we begin? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you have given to us to come again, once again, to your feet, O Lord, this evening. Lord, we all want to sit at your feet and we want to learn of you, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for all the questions that your that your children have sent forth. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would anoint your servant again, once again this evening, O Lord, on all of us, O Lord. The anointing, O Lord, will teach us through your servant, O Lord. Teach us, O Lord. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths, O Lord. You are the answer to every situation that we may be going through, O Lord. Father, Lord, take what is of you, O Lord, and give it to us this, this evening, O Lord, Father. And comfort your people, O Lord. All of those who are going through difficult times, O Lord, Father. So many questions. I pray, Father, that, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they will be comforted, O Lord Jesus, this evening, O Lord. Thank you, Father. That they'll be assured, O Lord, that they will know, O Father, that you have never left us. You are, you have never forsaken us, that you have engraved us in the palm of your hands. We thank you, Father. We come at this time into your hands, O Lord. Let your, let your name be glorified through everything that we do. We praise you, we worship you, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Peter. Pastor, question number one is one of the most in- incredible questions I've seen in a long time. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. When I pray, sometimes I ask the Lord that the afflictions or adversity is too much to bear, but He said we will not be tempted beyond what we can hear, and it doesn't appear so. When the tsunamis hit big time and the turbulent roller coaster over and over again in our lives to the point of shaking the core faith and trust and that period of dormancy until a child of God overcomes and renewed, there is a seasonal battle with depression and anxiety that could stir that could stir and pump waves from the pit of the stomach to spontaneous crying, etc. Is it normal to spiral down to pit of despair after spiritual earthquakes and come up with God's grace? What a question. Superb. <laughs> Very well articulated too. (laughs) So this is from Down Under. Australia. The question. Okay. I mean, it's such a deep question. Mm. But we will go to scripture first, okay? We will not, we will not um, lift our experience. We lift our feelings. Anything about the word of God. Can I have the scripture back on screen? Yeah, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. The first thing is that it doesn't matter how difficult and it could be really painful what a person is going through. Yet the Bible says it is common to man. Mm-hmm. Okay, common to man. Like you know, when uh, we counsel those who have gone through divorce, and uh, it may look it is painful, but it is common to man. Mm. Like half the marriages in the world are breaking up now, even within the church. So divorce is common to man. Death is common to man. Disease is common to man. Post-fall, 
anything and everything somebody goes through is common to man. Job also realizes mm-hmm. it is common that your like flames go up, sparks go up, so is man. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you need to realize that your pain is not isolated. You have not been targeted for this. It is common to man. It's very difficult. I mean, when somebody is going through hell, it's very difficult to tell them this is common to man. <laughs> but, and it doesn't it also comfort you. Mm. Everybody who's going through doesn't take your pain away. Mm. Okay. But first thing you need to understand is something is common to man. This is not unnatural or anything. This is the result of the fall of man. Second thing there is that, but God is faithful. Mm. Okay. You have to hang on to that. Whatever your circumstances and nothing seems to be coming out of it, but you still need to believe God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And here, uh, the dear sister says, Lord, uh, beyond appears. So he says, Sometimes I ask the Lord, the affliction adverse is too much to bear. The answer is that it is not. That's why he still wrote. Right, no? People who couldn't handle it took the easy way out and found it was a difficult way. They, they, they give, give up. They kill themselves. They do all kind of crazy stuff. But the fact that you are still standing says that you, you didn't buckle. You didn't fall. You didn't destroy yourself. That you are still standing there, meaning God made a way. I'm not saying God did not make you the way out of the situation, but He has given you grace for the hour. Mm. Okay? Okay, Bible says that you may be able to bear it. So it is, it, the way of escape. See, when we use that term, way of escape, let's look at the classic character of Joseph. Okay, he's a young, let us say, hot-blooded young teenager. And he's being tempted daily. Okay, and it's a trial too. It's not just a temptation, it's a trial too, because she is her mis- his mistress. Mm. And she's not a mistress at a workplace, she owns him. She owns him. So he's in a very, very dicey situation. Like we say, heads you win, yes. <laughs> tails also, yes. you, you lose. Mm. Okay, he's in a, what we call in English, catch 22 okay. situation. Mm. No, it's not a win-win situation, it is a lose-lose situation. Really, he's in a really messy place. Like, uh, he could be executed if she, I mean, he didn't, Potiphar didn't kill him, he put him in prison because God's hand was over. So he's in a really, really dicey situation to give in to temptation. And he's not, this is not the temptation part alone. Also, it is a trial he's going through. It's a testing, okay? And you know what? The way out that happened because he hung on to the faithfulness of God and to the, and to his integrity, he ends up in prison. Which is worse, much worse than where he was. Mm. Okay, but that was a way of escape. Mm. It is a way of escape. One from the temptation, yes, and two from being killed. Mm. The way of escape. Okay, so <coughs> we have to look. I mean, see, there are so many issues over here. No, let let's put it across this way. Post. The fall of Adam and Eve, everyone is born into a dysfunctional family. Everyone is fallen into a dysfunctional family. When we are going, we, we are really going to understand what is a perfect family only when we reach heaven. Hmm. 
and see what God has a father and what the home is like. Jesus as the eldest brother, the Holy Spirit like a mother brooding over us. That's when we are going to really understand. Before that, so there is no truly perfect functional families. All families are dysfunctional. Even if you have a good family with the father and the mother, the children, everything, yet they they, they have not reached what they should be. Mm. Simply because of lack of knowledge. Mm. Okay? Lack of knowledge. So remember, so we have no ideal situation over here. There is no ideal situation where somebody is perfectly prepared to handle testing. We don't have an ideal situation. So on the way, we learn. We are learning. Even Paul is learning Mm. on the way. He's learning on the way. I learned in all times. To yeah, he says, you know, if you go to Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. chapter one, one okay, you see the pressure he's going through. Okay, Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse eight. Okay, onwards. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. We jumped uh, eight. I didn't read it. Eight. Verse, yeah, verse eight. Yeah, beyond measure, above strength, so that we this this, this, this literally what the child is writing. Wow. Okay, literally, he says this is Apostle Paul hmm. with his team. Okay, so that we, for we do not, yeah, beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of strength of life. See, you think about this. Apostle Paul is saying, it's not one of us. Apostle Paul is saying, what I am going through, it's beyond my strength. Beyond my strength. Burden beyond measure. That we even despair of life. We thought we are going to get killed. We are going to die. And worse than that. Remember, this is happening in Asia. Asians always give the trouble to the (laughs) apostles. Okay. The white man took it. (laughs) The white man took it and ran with it and we still blame it. But we gave, all Asians gave trouble to the servants of God. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Mm-hmm. And he understand the lesson that, you see, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. When the trial comes, usually our first resort is how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. In the flesh. Mm-hmm. We don't resort to the spirit first. We resort to the strength of the flesh. How can I get out of it? How can I get out of it? Because that's the natural man. How how do I get out of it? Which way can I get out of it? Okay. Instead of going to, instead of going to a prayer closet and falling flat on the front of God, we'll try to say, who can help me out of this? That's what natural. But he's saying that, you know what? God is teaching us to lean on Him Mm. and Him alone. Alone. And his ways alone. So he's learning. He's learning it on that way. Okay. Remember the, in the book of Acts, you know, remember he said, we, we all gave up hope. Mm. And day after day, yes. week after week, the ship is like floating. You're going nowhere. It's, it's look, you are doomed mm. to die. Like everybody has given hope. And then the angel of the Lord. When you come to that point where you have given up hope and you have the only hope with God, God appears. Okay, God appears because He's taking us to that point. He's mm-hmm. taking us to the point, and the thing is that most people don't reach that point. Let's be honest about it, because most people will go in the way of the flesh and way shortcut out and come. So they go down. 
Okay, like I said, the sons of Judah who came to Babylon, only four we hear. What about the others? There was the easy way out. They chose the easy way out. They, they thought succeeded, but in eternity they realized, you know what? We didn't realize, I'm not saying they didn't, didn't make it to heaven, but they realized they didn't really succeed. Mm. Okay? So one of the fundamental things which God is saying is that, look, this is very painful. Okay? Especially this is, a single mother writing with two small children, okay? And she's gone through hell and back, okay? So it is not very easy. But where do you go if you turn with me to Isaiah 68? Isaiah 68, sorry, 68, verse 5 and 6. 68 is not Isaiah. Sorry, sorry, Psalm, 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 not Isaiah, sorry. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Psalm 68, bro. We have an we have an apprentice first. Yeah. <laughs> this talking God talking. Who is he? A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. He sets the solitary in families, he brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry slap. But look at verse five, okay? You have to go over there. God says is a father of the fatherless. Okay? And is the defender of widows. He's a husband to the widows and a father to the fatherless. Now you have to go there. And Now let me tell you, most of the people whom you meet, you minister, they don't know these verses. Our fundamental issue, let me say, is fundamental. I'm not talking about this sister. She knows a word. Fundamental issue is that most Christians do not know their word. And when they have their word out of word, Faith hasn't come in. These are fundamental Mm. things. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And it is through faith we overcome. Okay, if you go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, all the problems you face is in this world. In the next world, next life, either you will have no problems or you will only have problems. (laughs) This is one of the two. 1 John 5, 4. Uh, uh, just be patient. We have a new apprentice on the computer. <laughs> That's, uh, okay. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Okay. So it's talking about why do you have to overcome the world? All the troubles. Man is born into this world into trouble. But whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome, that has overcome the world, our faith. Mm. Okay. There's only one way. There's no two ways. There's only one way we can overcome the world. It is by faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Okay, God has given us nothing else. Mm-hmm. So even if I know the word of God, I still need hearing. Hearing. Okay? Hearing. I need hearing. I mean, I know the word of God. Let's say I know the word of God. But in a particular situation, I need to hear from God. So look at Paul's situation. He's adrift in the ocean. He knows the word of God. But the word of God is not sustaining him. They have come to the point where they are giving up hope. Oh. And then he hears. The angel of the Lord comes and tells, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. That's all he hears. Okay? And that hearing changes everything. Suddenly there is hope is burst. In and he tells everyone, let's eat. No one is going to die. Because God has given all your lives Intimate. Though he has a promise, but his promise is more vague compared to Joseph's promise. Joseph's promise is very clear. 
your true dreams are very clear your destiny is to reign mm-hmm. Paul's promise is that you will suffer many trials. You will stand before kings and all. But if you look at it in that, these things have already happened to him. Mm. He has already suffered so much. He has stood before kings and all that. Okay? So in a way, it looks like, okay, when you meant kings, did you mean <laughs> up to Caesar or mm. all the ones in between? All the ones in between, he's already stood. Mm. It's mm. not very clear. So you will also start looking at the promise. Okay, like, God gave me a promise. I will take you. If you remain faithful, I will take your word to the ends of the world. Now, what does ends of the world mean? There are 235 countries. We have reached 190. Lord, ends of the world is 190. Is it over for me? Or did you mean 235? I'm not Benny Prasad. <laughs> no, Benny Prasad has traveled to every... I haven't traveled. Now, this is what happened. You think you are traveling, but when God says, I will take the, to you to the ends of the world, basically he meant the word. And now we are not traveling anywhere where the word is going. Mm. Because we need to be very, very careful about how we interpret personal promises which God has given. Mm. Okay, In Paul's case, th- the word had to come. And when he heard, everything changed. Everything changed. Okay, So we are not questioning our word. We may know our word. But also the question is, will you wait till you hear? Now, we cannot put it all into because the situation, sir. I mean, it was a single mother with two children who is fighting a custody battle and all, and it's a very violent or abusive ex-spouse and all that. You see, we cannot put each problem into and have a, what you call a broad spectrum solution. Mm. Okay. So we will realize what the thing has happened is that you need a good church. People don't understand the importance of church. And uh, that's where it's important that you have a good church. A good church is not just a church that teaches. Like a good church is also where you belong to and the church stands with you. Mm. Okay, stands with you. But the problem is, can the church stand with you? Do you really belong to the church? Are you a committed person to that family? So many things are here. And in a, in a case like in India, like I have, we have people from different faiths, uh, who are part of the church, but they may be the only person from their family. And if, especially if it is of another gender, meaning if it's of a, a sister, and she comes from a non-Christian background and the whole family is hostile. We are limited to how much we can help. Mm. We can limited to. So all these things are there. We have to look at it. We have to look at it. Okay. In some cases, you might have to fight a court battle. There's no guarantee you will win. Mm. Okay. But through it all, we have one promise. The promise is this. God said, I will not leave you. And God is not a man that he should lie. He's not guaranteeing your spouse will not leave you. Hmm. He's not guaranteeing your children will not leave you or you will not lose custody of your children. Why is so? Because the free will of man is involved in all this. Okay. And God doesn't bend anybody's free will. Like we have children, young people. You say, all of you come to church. That's all we can do. They will come. But you cannot make them listen. Mm-hmm. You cannot make them listen. That's your free will. You have to choose. So when you look at all these things, basically, you know, pastors can get two people to get married and make them to repeat the covenant until death do part. Mm-hmm. But it is man. Mm-hmm. It is man. Okay. There's no guarantee about a man. 
human. The guarantee is with God. And basically God is taking. So the promise God is giving us through it all is the way of escape is Christ. You will never go. The way of escape is Christ. How do you escape out of it is like uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, you know, Hebrews 12, we are this cloud of witnesses, that's verse 1. Run your uh, one, uh, 12, um, 1 and 2. Yeah, look at that. This is the key. We forget that this thing, okay? That first uh, three words is the key. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is the key. Mm-hmm. It's looking unto Jesus. You have to look at him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? We have to look unto Jesus. Our eyes should be on Jesus. Your eyes can't be even on the church. Even if you have the best church in the world, your eyes cannot be even on the church. Your eyes has to be on to Jesus. Because the church is also formed of a set of people who are uh, fragile. Mm. Who, who can make, even the leadership can go wrong in their hearing. or And the leadership may be buffeted with so many problems. And yet, uh, like it is like what you say. You go to a doctor hospital to, for consultation. You are going there with your problem and you want the doctor to give you all the attention. But there are 100 patients waiting on <laughs> you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm. Now, the doctor is under pressure because he is a man or a woman and he's got this much time and this much energy and this much concentration. And then you go there, you talk about your symptoms and he says, okay, this is what he looks at, he understands what the problem, take this thing and he lets you go. And you come out and say, you know, I'm not happy with the doctor at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because he didn't give me the time and the attention I required. Okay? Same thing happens in church. Okay? Like, take in our case, mass or my case. Somebody calls. This is the problem. Okay, let me pray with you. We pray. The person may be dissatisfied. They do not know already 10 calls are over and the 15 is waiting. Hmm. But you are seeing in isolation. So that is why the only one who will give you the attention you deserve and the time Everything is God. Mm. God, God's um, system never is busy. He's the only one who can handle one million calls at a time or ten million calls at a time and give each one the same attention. Okay, so ultimately, though God has given all these support structures, mm. He says He puts the lonely in families. Though He has given all this structure, the fundamental point of ministry is to reach, take each one and teach them to walk with Jesus. Mm. Learn to walk with Jesus. That's the key. But that's what finally Paul understands and he learns that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? And uh, like I said, there is nobody who is perfect. So what happens is when you're going through this crisis, let us say, you have COVID. <laughs> okay, let's say you have COVID. And uh, you take your own medication. <laughs> Before you reach the doctor and you're diagnosed with COVID, you have medicated yourself with so many. You know, we are all quacks. <laughs> we are all quacks, okay? We medicated ourselves. But when you go to the doctor, we don't tell him what all we took. <laughs> okay? What all we took. Then when he go there and he looks at the test reports, he says, okay, let's forget COVID, any other, this, okay? And this thing, and you know what happens over there? What happens is, you take, he looks and he gives you a medication. And you take the medication, now it's reacting with the other medication you took. Mm. Okay? 
like like you know when Elsa had her this thing and she went to the hospital no? so they were talking about and then we had to tell her tell the doctor very clearly these are the other medications you take to see that the medication you are prescribing doesn't react with it so during the time of this medication all the others were stopped oh. okay so we need to realize when you are going through this crisis okay, let let us simply put across in a situation uh, a family is going through a breakup going through a breakup okay so it doesn't matter how holy and godly they are when they are having this thing words are exchanged mm. even paul and barnabas exchanged words. words yeah and words have power you cannot take words back words have power okay life and death is in the power mm-hmm. of the tongue words are there so the husband abuses the wife gives it back may there may be physical violence all this thing but you know what you're already messing it up mm. okay now that's what i said if you look back later in eternity we will realize like i said all god was doing was cleaning up our mess a lot of people will say but i did nothing which is true but you said a lot of things and people don't realize sometimes words are more dangerous than actions actions because the kingdom of god operates on primarily first on words because mm. everything is created by the word of god and that is why man when god he breathed into man you see animals cannot create or change destinies with words man alone can and people don't understand the danger of words you know danger of words and people use words very casually You know, like I was saying it today, you know, the people who are below you, okay, shout at them, curse them, you know, parents tell that to children, you are no good, this thing and all, without realizing you are already setting up that person for failure. You have to learn to handle issues. So when problems happen, we do not realize we haven't made it easy for God. We have made it very difficult for God because God did not create us robots. He created people with free will to make their choices. And usually choices are made by, with words. Okay, that is Proverbs uh, 17.21 or 18.21. Right, life and death. 18.21, yes. 18.21, if I'm right. <laughs> life and death. Yeah, 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay. You see, your actions could be perfect. Your words could be wrong. Okay. I'll give you a fundamental example of the man who went through the worst case of depression. Our grand uncle Job. Okay. You go to the book of Job. Chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. His sons would go and feast in the houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. 
And what would he do? So it was when the days of feasting had run its course, Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning, offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Are, are his actions all perfect? Yes. Okay. He's doing what a father can do. Children are grown up, they are married, they are making their decisions. So he's always trying to... See that they were right with God. Lord, Lord, let no calamity happen. No, nothing happen. Because these kids are crazy. These are Job's kids, by the way. Okay, These kids are crazy. What God says, there was no man like him, upright, blameless. The kids are crazy. Mm-hmm. They are party animals. Okay, And they have here all these sons and daughters. And each week it is in a different house, they party. And he is doing this. Okay, So his actions are fine. Mm-hmm. But if you come to Job chapter 3 mm-hmm. and verse 25, Okay, 325 when all breaks apart, life falls apart. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what has dreaded has happened to me. So through this all, he's living in fear. Living in fear. Okay. And fear is always sensed or spoken. Enemy can sense fear. That's why we say when, uh, when a dog is chasing you, don't run. The, the dog can sense fear. Okay, mm-hmm. lions can sense fear. The devil senses fear. Okay, so in so many ways, God took the hedge off, allowed it, but also on Job's part, you will see there was fear. There was fear, and it must have. He must have talked to his wife. <laughs> you know, you know, I have this feeling something is going to happen to our children. It's all is going to this. I mean, and he's saying. The thing I greatly feared hmm. has come upon me. So you see, even though Job is an upright man, he's not perfect in his thought life and his, and his word life. Hmm. And there's nobody except for Jesus Christ. There's <coughs> nobody. There has been nobody who has been this thing. So we look at all the situations, we will realize it. Why we need God? And God is doing what Job was doing for his children. Jesus is doing, he's forever making intercession for the <laughs> saints. Meaning he's forever doing these sacrifices because we are goofing up here day in and day out. Oh Lord, we can see that. Okay. And many things we need to realize that. If devil could have his way, it would have been dead long time ago. Nobody would have survived. So why are we here? Because God's hand is there upon us. We would have been finished long time ago because God, the devil, hates us. If he gets a chance, he would finish us off, but he cannot because of God. Okay. So when you look at this whole picture over here, you need to understand that, yes, depression will come. Paul himself says, okay, but he fought through that. He fought through that. He fought through that and he overcome it. The question is not whether these things will not come come. And because he went through this and he had the revelation of how to come through, we have scripture. We have scripture. Okay, we have scripture. Why do we have the letters of Paul, which is which has become scripture? The letters of Paul <coughs> is not just doctrine, it is also his experience. How he went through something and he overcame he through the power of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Therefore it has power. You cannot read Paul's letters and say this man doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. We look at his letters and we know this man knows what he's talking about. What he's talking about. Okay, so it has his big, his experience itself has become the life of Christ. Okay, then like we say, whenever you're going through something, you need to ask this. Is it because of the sins of my parents? Okay. Is it because of ignorance? Is it because of my sin? Or is it because of righteousness? Okay. 
The sins of parents are there. You cannot escape it. Like if a father is alcoholic, his children will go into debt. All the money which needed to educate the children and put them in a good place, he is drinking it away. So you cannot say the father sins and the children will not feel the effects. Does, do the children have to go that way? No. If they come to God and understand God. But if they don't come to God, you will see so many homes in India, millions are destroyed because of alcoholic husband or alcoholic parents. Okay? So that is, you have to look at it that way. Or, no. The second thing is that, did you sin? Did you sin? David sinned. Right? Did you sin? Third thing is that God says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Ignorance of the word of God is actually the biggest killer in Christendom. The biggest killer is not the parents' sin or your sin. It is ignorance. Your parents can sin, but the knowledge of God can take you out of it. You can sin, but the knowledge of God can cause you to repent and make restitution and come out of it. So it is not one or two which is the biggest killer. The biggest killer in Christendom is ignorance. And we all are ignorant still to the ways of God. In so many ways we are ignorant to the ways of God. And the fourth one I said is that, is it because of righteousness sake? Is it because of righteousness sake? If it's because of righteousness sake, like in the case of Paul, in righteousness sake, God will say, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Because what does he say? Great is your Reward in heaven, not here. See, every time you sing, it doesn't mean earthquake will come and chains will fall off. It has only happened for Paul and Silas. We don't hear this happening for millions and millions of people who actually died. Died. Okay. So we look at it that, but what is important is you will experience the presence of God. The presence of God. And ultimately you look at it that is the promise. That is the promise. That is the promise. For me, when you look at it, you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear and I will make a way out. Okay? And if you look at Joseph, he sold as a slave. Lord, what is a way out? The Bible says God was with him. That's a way out. If you're being sold into slavery, natural mind will always think, being bought by somebody and returned to your father's house, freed up from, that is the way out. That's not happening to him. You are thrown into the dungeon and you will think the way out is that I will be released, my innocence will be declared and I will be... That's not happening to him, probably for another 10 years. But what is the way out? The Bible says God is with him. So we don't understand the the depth of Jesus' statement when he says, I am the way. Hmm. I am the way. What is the way out? Christ is the way out. And that's why his promise is there. I will never leave you. Never forsake you. Okay. And honestly, let me tell you, even us, let's be, let's not be so sanctified. You are in a trouble. You are in a trouble. I mean, it's like the old uh, Mahabharata story. There's going to be war between the two families, Pandavas and Kauravas. And all the kings of the land have to take one side or other. All kings have decided, only the king of Dwaraka is left. And Krishna, the so-called God, is the is the king. So, one side, Duryodhana comes, Krishna is pretending to sleep in the bed and he is put a throne, like here, near his head. So, Duryodhana comes and sits in that chair. Arjun comes second and he sits at his feet. 
Krishna opens his eyes and he says, you came first, I saw him first. So this is your choice. One can choose my army, the other can choose me, but I will not fight, I will only give you counsel. Duryodhana says, I want the army. Arjun says, I want you. And we know who won the battle. Mm. Let me ask in that same principle. If God were to say that, you're going through a crisis. You can either come out this way, I will give you to all, or I will give you me. Which do you choose? I will tell you nine out of ten Christians will choose option one. <laughs> you have a problem. Mm. And you know what? I'll give you one crore. Can come out of your situation. Let the husband go. You can fight a custody battle. You will get the children. I'll give you that. Or second, you're going to go through hell. You will have to fight. Ultimately, you will win. You will have to fight a massive battle. But I will promise you one thing. I will be with you. Which do you want? You know what? Say, we think we are all Arjuns. We are not. We are all Duryodhanas. <laughs> we'll choose the easy way out. Easy way out. At every place Paul had an easy way out, he chose the difficult path. He refused to choose a way outside other than Christ. He refused. Refused. Okay? And in the process, what happens? This man becomes an icon. Not when he's living, after he's dead. It's a man who could say that, I no longer love. Christ loves in me. I no longer live a life crisis. I mean, Peter doesn't say that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Peter in his final letter also <laughs> says, I don't understand the stuff Paul writes. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. Paul says that. Okay. But if you look at it, is that every time when a person is given a choice, like a person like Paul, he chooses the second choice. I'll go through hell, but you stay with me. I'm not taking the easy way out. And therefore, okay, so we have to look at it and we will say, Lord, as God is, and God is such a merciful God, is a mm. father. At the end of the day, his hand is upon us. He's protecting us all from it. But this is the way out. There is no other way out. And therefore, he's able to look at it and say, you know what, these are all momentary afflictions in the light of the eternal weight of glory that is coming. Ultimately, you have to look at the big picture. It doesn't matter what you go through in life. What is man? What is his days? 70 years, 80 years. Some reach 100. Okay. But it's over. It's finished. And after that, eternity begins. So you have to look in the light and say, you know what? I'm not going to try shortcuts. It will cost me in eternity. I'll take the hard way. I will gain in eternity. So whatever you go through, whether it is in the office, in the home, in the church, wherever it is, Believers have to be taught, take the hard way. The hard way is the way of faith. The hard way is the way of faith. Okay, That's why Bible says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we want Jesus the way, and we want to go boom into life. Because we'll say, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. But in the middle stands truth. Mm-hmm. And like I keep saying, our issue is not with the way or the life. Our issue is with the truth. And every day we fight with the truth. The truth about ourselves. At the end of the day, Lord, the flesh is like a river. It will always take the easy way out. 
faith is not like a river. Faith is like the salmon in the river. You know the salmon in the river? They have to go upstream. upstream. They go up the waterfall also. It's beautiful to watch those videos how. But the bears are waiting there. At every waterfall, the bears are waiting. All the salmon don't reach their uh, breeding ground. Many are eaten by the bears. But they still go upstream. Why? That's the way God has figured their DNA. Okay, And God is saying that you are called to go upstream. Even dead fish float down. Go upstream. There will be bears at every point. But the fact that you are going upstream, on the at one point if the bear eats you also, you will be considered victorious because your direction was up and not down. Not down. Okay, direction was up. And that's the call of faith. Yes, that one question took so much time. But thank you, child. What a you know, question. We love you. <coughs> yes. Where did my, yeah. Question number two says, <clears throat> what about prayer for the lost? How can I be more effective? I get a little frustrated trying to think of a new ways to ask God to save people. Don't you? I thought he wanted to save them. Then why do you, why do I feel as though I'm trying to Talk him into it. Is there a better way? Do I ask uh, for their salvation again and again or simply petition him once and this, and this just thank him in faith? Okay. One thing is that the most difficult prayer in life is a, is a prayer for the salvation of somebody else. Everything else is easy. <laughs> salvation is because the will of another person is, is involved. You can only pray. You cannot bend anybody's will. It's impossible to bend anybody's will. And God himself doesn't bend anybody's will. So by prayer, one of the things what you can do by prayer or what happens during prayer is that God can change or God may change the circumstances of the person where he has, he or she has access to the gospel. Mm. Okay, There's so many things which we can do by prayer. Let the word reach them. The powers of darkness we bind, which is like, no, the Bible says in Corinthians, the ruler of this world, right? Second Corinthians four four. Yeah, Second Corinthians four four. Ready, Ragnar is here. <laughs> I need my Bible. <laughs> okay, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Okay, so remember, there is a God of this world, small G. He blinds people's mind. Mind blinding is been there from the beginning. Now it's an art. It's a science now. Okay, so you need to realize that is happening. So you cannot, you cannot ask a blind man, why can't you walk properly? Okay, that's why we are talking about. <laughs> we need to be very careful about how we do. We need to look at the world and say, you know, these are blind men and women walking. We cannot get mad at them for not seeing the way we see. Mm-hmm. Seeing the way we see, okay. So in the same way, you're on the road and you see a blind man, this thing, and he by mistake hits you, you know. You don't shout at him. Mm-hmm. Actually, you feel sorry for him. You're apologizing and say, "So sorry, go this way." You try to guide him, no. So you need to realize that is where it is. Okay? So when we pray, like George Muller is supposed to have prayed 34 years or 35 years or 40 years for two of his friends who did not believe. Okay, who did not believe. And he died praying for them. They got saved only after he died. They got saved only after they died. Okay? So we have to be very careful about salvation. It is that we don't, we don't uh, ever stop praying. Ever stop praying. The woman who is going to the judge for justice. Take 
put it typically a picture of a mother who's going to God for the salvation of her children, saying, Lord, I want justice. These are my children. You said by the faith of the believing parent, my child is sanctified, separated, but they don't lead sanctified lives. They are not interested in you, Lord. Will she stop praying? No, she will go back again and again. And But if she quits praying, when the Son of Man comes to answer the prayer, he says, will he find faith? Did he mm. give up? The question. So these are prayers we never stop. Then the last part of the question is this. Maybe Sammy, some next time we can project the question, question also on, on it on the screen, without yes. giving the name so that people can see the question. Mm. Yes, yeah, sometimes I take the names off so we don't want to hide in, but like even to today's, we don't want the person's name. Where is it coming from and all? Second thing is that you move from praying to praising only when you have heard in the spirit that God says answered. You have to hear. Till then you cannot praise. Cannot praise. Praise is a response to an answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you you may not see the person being saved, but you may have heard in the, your spirit. I've heard your prayer. Once God has said in your spirit, I've heard your prayer. Your response should be thank you, Lord. It's an act of faith. You may see nothing, but you know God has heard. You say, Lord, thank you, thank you, Lord. You have saved my child. You have saved my spouse. You have saved my friend. I just thank you. I will not doubt you. I will not go by the evidence of my eyes. I will go by the evidence of your voice. Mm. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. So you stop praying for a person or a situation and move into praise only when you have heard and you're absolutely sure God has said, I've heard your prayers. I've heard your prayers. Then you start praising. After God has said, I have heard your prayers, and you go back next day and start crying out, it is unbelief. You are now blocking the answer. You're blocking the answer. You are not allowing the answer to come in. You become a stumbling block. So you have to be very, very careful about it. That's how it goes. Otherwise, you don't. You keep praying. You keep praying. And usually God doesn't say, I've heard your prayers. Because he wants you to keep praying. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) And there are so many factors. So many factors which may stop a person from coming to God. That's why we have to keep praying. Because there are so many powers that are operating to see a person remains blind. And our job is not to add to their blindness, to make it easier for them to see. And one of the ways it is that we tell God, Lord, let me be a light. Hmm. Let me not be a cause of darkness. And let us say, like a simple Indian examples, you have somebody, uh, an unbelieving, non-believing, non-Christian working in your house. Okay. Now there is your words, you are trying to witness, and there is your life. Mm. And unbelievers are very, pers- very, very, they have very, what you call it, uh, they're sharp. Perception. Perceptive. Perception, no? They're very perceptive. They're very sharp. They will, after some time, they will look at it and say, your words and your life don't match. Your words are light. But your life is darkness. Okay, so we have need to be very, very clear about it. Okay, a lot of people witness. But, the real witness is your life, especially with people with whom you live, with close proximity. Sometimes you don't even have to, that's what when Peter talks about in First Peter chapter 3, right? He talks about uh, your unbelieving spouse. Let's go over there, First Peter chapter 3, verse yes. 1 and 2. Very powerful. It's a principle. It's a principle. Okay, you don't put it only in terms of unbelieving spouse. It's a principle. It's an unbelieving hmm? 
your unbelieving colleague. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. You get it? Let us put it across. Employees, likewise, be submissive to your own bosses, that even if some of the others, your colleagues, do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct, your conduct. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. You're not fearing your boss, you're fearing God. They look at your life and you know what you say, you know what? You know, I don't like your witnessing and all, but you know something about you. God must be true. God must be real. Okay. So there is a principle over there. There's a principle over there. And so sometimes we do we pray and we need to ask, is my life a stumbling block? Those who are in close proximity. But those who are not, generally speaking, we keep praying. We keep praying. Mm-hmm. And we never quit. We never. And in Luke uh, 19, right, where Jesus says, no, never to give up. Luke 18. Yeah, Luke 18. He says, never give Verse up. One. Yeah, never. Men ought to always pray. pray and, and never lose heart. Lose heart. And if you ask, if you look at it, we may think about a breakthrough and job and promotion, education of the children. I will tell you, when you get the real, you, you, people need a revelation of hell more than heaven. That's why Jesus spoke more, three times more about hell than he spoke about heaven. Because if you're going to heaven, you don't need to know about it. But if you're not sure, you really need to know about hell what it is like. And if you have a vision of hell, a revelation of hell, you will you will realize the priority, number one priority of your prayer life is salvation. Is salvation. And everything else is secondary. You have a picture of hell, you wouldn't <laughs> wish even your enemies to go there. What it is like to be separated from God for eternity and what is this outer darkness what it is to be like that forever and ever and ever. I will tell you a simple thing, okay? Sit in a room which is absolutely dark for 24 hours. Put your mobile, everything away. Shut yourself in a room, pitch black, for 24 hours. and See whether you like it. Oh. Like it. And then, if you don't want, just put a light your stove and put your hands over the burner. Ask yourself whether you like that. That one is very easy. Second one is very easy. <laughs> you know, people in old days, even today, they put them in isolation and they just let this water drip. People go mad. You know, yes, that? yes, they yes. go mad. They go crazy. They go insane because they cannot handle it. Hell is full of mad people. They're gone insane. They cannot handle it cannot handle that isolation from God. Even the worst of the worst in the world, the most wicked man, still experiences God because God hasn't withdrawn his presence from the world. Even He doesn't know God, but God's presence is still there. But hell is a place where God, only which God can do, he removes his complete presence from that place. Place. You have no presence of God. And nobody knows what it is like when you are living to live without absolutely no presence of God at all. That is outer darkness. Where your flames never go off, nor do your worms die. And that is forever and ever and ever. Because God said, you didn't want me when you were living. I did everything. So now you go to a place where I am not there. I will leave you alone. I will leave you alone for eternity. I will not bother you 
at all. You can have, but you do not know what it is like. So when you talk about praying, you never give up. You never, never give up. That's number one in your list. Everything else is secondary. So to this dear child, mm-hmm. one of my dear spiritual kids from New York, never give him. Give up. Yeah. Is, is prayer necessary? If so, why? Isn't God sovereign? Doesn't that mean he accomplishes, accomplishes what he wants, when he wants? If so, why pray? In uh, Genesis chapter 1, when God makes man, it's one thing he's, he's 27, Genesis 1 and verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And he talks about, see, what is special in this earth, what is special, we are leaving the angelic realm out on this part of creation. What is special about man is man, this man is created in the image of God. Mm. Meaning, one part of that image is that man has the freedom to choose. Man is the only creation that has the freedom to choose. No other creation chooses. They cannot choose. Or they do not have our kind of autonomy and power to choose. Man can choose. Even in the Garden of Eden, before the fall, he put those trees over there and says, do not eat. If you eat, you will die. But man still had a choice to eat or not to eat. He didn't take that away. Like I said, he didn't put a barbed wire, electrified fence around that tree. He didn't do that. Okay. So this power to choose is a double-edged sword. If you use that freedom to choose for God, we will live. If you use that freedom to go against God, we will die because God alone is life. So because free will is there, man has to pray. Man is free. In so many ways, when I am praying, I am telling a sovereign God, Lord, please deal with me. Please deal with me. Okay. And it's, it, it, that is what makes us human. Mm. Otherwise you would just be a robot. We would, that's what the devil wants. The devil wants us to be all to be robots. Where our, that's what everybody is like. The whole western world, one side is, it is not that the mask does not help you. It is when the government comes and forces it down. They don't like it because your freedom is being taken away. One by one, coercive action without backing it up with enough scientific facts. They come and they become, like I said, no, like that's why I said, uh, I like our CMKCRs, this thing. No lockdown, curfew in the night, no lockdown. Isolate yourself. By now you are educated. You know people are dying, right? Why do you want to go around? Self-isolation. Why should I lock down the whole state? Isolate yourself. By now you should buddhi to hona padega na abhita. You know what is happening. And if you see it's actually working. There are hardly people on the roads. <laughs> you don't need a lockdown. I mean, you, you want to die, go die. <laughs> you want to live, you live. The choice is yours. <clears throat> no? I can lock the whole state down and keep police everywhere with the lathis to beat you up if you come down. Or you can do it yourself. Can you use yourself? I said before you, life and death. You choose. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> Educate the people. Tell these are the consequences. And you know what? Self-discipline is the best discipline. The best discipline. Self-restraint is the best restraint. 
No, so God has given man the freedom to choose, mm. and that demands that I pray. I pray by praying. It's very contradictory, but it is true because of who God is. By praying, I'm allowing a sovereign God who gave me the freedom to choose to intervene in my life. Please intervene in my life. You gave me that autonomy. And you are a man that you should, you, that you lie. Mm-hmm. So when you say, I give you freedom, he actually means it. He doesn't interfere with it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't interfere. Though he is sovereign, that's why the Bible says his word is forever settled in his heavens. You choose. The minute he said you choose, we have autonomy to choose. And he doesn't take it away. He doesn't take it away. Can he overrule it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will he? No. No. Because he's righteous. Mm-hmm. Righteous. Okay. That's why the Bible says don't make oaths, vows in mm-hmm. grand district. Because you know what? We used to say in old days, my word is my bond. My word is my bond. You don't need, you don't need, uh, you don't need what you call, you don't need uh, notary and all. Okay? Notary and all. When um, I had buyers for my land and all, no? still buyers keep coming. I used to tell them that. One thing I said that, if I agree on a price, you don't need agreement from me. You can take it because you need it. I don't need it. My word is my bond. I will not go up. I will not go up. But you have to prove. To one of the buyers, I said that. When I said, I agree, if you had put one rupee into my account, one rupee into my account has deposit, I would have stuck to that price, though the price was shooting up through the roof. I would have still given you at the price I agreed. If you had put one thing, one rupee, that's only that thing, one rupee. Today, you know what? He's not able to buy it. The price has gone up. Okay. I'm okay. We need to realize our word is our bond. And God has to bring us to that point. We are not. That's why God says, uh, do not swear. Your yes should be yes, your no should be no. God is not a man that he should lie. When he gave us the freedom, he means it. Yeah. You are free to choose. And in my freedom, I say, Lord, can you intervene in my life? That's first side of prayer. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Ask, yes. You mm. do not ask. I have to ask. Everything is God's, but you don't ask. God says, you do not have because you do not ask. Second thing he says, this is to save people. Second, when you ask, you ask amiss. Mm. Okay, he says, you know, at the end of the day, when you say, God, come and intervene in my life, I'm asking, God says, you need to know my nature. I'm holy. I am righteous. righteous. And the entire purpose of my salvation is you to make you like me. So when you ask me, I will not give according to your desires. I will give you according to my purpose. Mm. My purpose in you. No, 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 Lord. God said, wait a little. When you die, where are you coming? I'm coming home. You're living with me? Yes. So I want you to be the person who can live with me. One thing you need to realize, I don't change. But you need to. You need to change. So we need to understand why we need to pray. We need to pray. And second... Jesus said, in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from the power of the the evil evil one. one. The evil one has power. Evil one has power. And his primary power is the power to deceive us. His primary power is the power to deceive us. The power to tempt us through deception. He deceives us. Deceives us. So we need to pray because we also have an enemy. We have an enemy. And he deceives us. 
So this is just very nice. Therefore, we need to pray because we have a enemy who is spiritual, who is not physical. Mm. He's spiritual. Therefore, we need to pray that God, who is a spirit, would intervene in the spiritual realm and keep this fellow at bay. Help me, Lord, to see. Help me not to understand his ways. Otherwise, I will get fooled. If I live only in the physical realm, he can fool me ten times out of ten. Ten times out of ten, the devil can fool me. But if I live in the spiritual realm, meaning in the word of God, and that's why Jesus says my word is spirit. If I live in that realm, it is difficult for him to fool. So you know what? For the word to become spirit, I need to keep praying. Lord, I have the word. It is the letter. That is not enough. I need your spirit to show me. Mm-hmm. How do I apply your word in this situation? situation yes. How do I apply, Lord? I need that, Lord. I need. Give me discernment, Lord. Give me discernment, Lord. So we pray. We pray for all our needs, everything. So we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying. So God has is taking us through that process. And people, God, that's why we looked at that in the earlier one also. And men should always pray and never faint. So that actually naturally goes into question number six because you mm. talked about the devil. Mm. Uh, what about spiritual warfare? If Satan is defeated and Christ has all authority, shouldn't we just forget about the devil? Does God not bind the devil? I think it's wrong. Okay, yeah. The thing is that um, there are two sides of it. One, the devil is defeated in the spiritual realm, which is true. He is defeated. But man is not defeated. Okay, man is not defeated. That's why the Bible says we are not fighting flesh and blood. Mm. We are wrestling with powers of darkness. Mm. Okay, We are wrestling. But we need to understand this fundamental picture. The devil can't do anything to you, if you believe. Okay, he's like a cobra who has been defanged. Mm. Okay, he can roar, he can do all kinds of things. He can uh, basically what the devil basically does is that the the devil deceives. If he cannot deceive you and me, he will deceive those which we live with, Mm. who we have to interact with, and then oppression rises from flesh and blood. That's how the devil works. Why does the oppression rise from flesh and blood? Because he had deceived them. Every place when Paul went, there was oppression for him. He got beaten up, thrown into the jail. Did the devil beat him up? No. He told the girl with the divine out. And the devil left. Was the demons any problem for Jesus? No. Mm. Where did he face the oppression from? From people. people. And who, why did they oppress him? Because the devil deceived them. Mm. Devil deceives them. Okay. So the devil does not have I'm not saying demons do not have power. They have power. To those who believe, they have power. The devil has power. And who goes to the demons for power? Only deceived people. The devil has deceived them. Nicely deceived them. I am the real God. I can give you all these things. And then, no, you will also become God. Okay, all these idiots who go to these lodges have been totally been deceived. Mm. Totally been deceived. They have been told by their stupid fellow called Baphomet. He's told by that fellow, even if you die, you will come back. More powerful. That's where all these ascended masters, masters of the universe, all this junk Hollywood is. Remember, all this junk Hollywood is putting across to us comes from the Lodge. Mm. To brainwash us that nobody dies. Even if you die, you come back as a master. So the way out is by serving these gods and use that power. But it is deception. 
The devil doesn't tell you the truth. That yes, he can give you power. But no, he told Jesus also, I can give you power. But that at the end, the devil is already judged. He is going to hell. And he wants to take as many to the lake of fire, as many as. So the devil's primary weapon is deception. And that's why you are involved in spiritual warfare. And primarily we are in spiritual warfare at two levels. One, Lord, help me not to be deceived. Mm. And second, I'm fighting for flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against. Against I am fighting for. Flesh and blood may misunderstand you. Mm. Sometimes you have to, uh, you have to stand against flesh and blood on the word of God. And they will misunderstand you. And you still have to stand. You don't buckle. The most difficult battle a believer faces is fighting for flesh and blood. It is easier to fight flesh and blood than to fight for flesh Mm. and blood. Because when you are fighting for flesh and blood, you will have to stand up for the truth. Like, let's look at Abraham, which is easy. Terah says, let us stay in Haran. And Abraham says, no, dad, if you stay, you stay, I'm going. Easy is to stay. It's peace. It's peace. He stays in Haran. But God is not moving anymore. On the other hand, if he tells uh, Terah, Dad, I'm leaving. God has called me, has told me and Sarah to separate and go to this land. And Terah throws a fuss saying, you do not obey me. Don't you know our culture? Children should obey their parents and you should stay with me. What is this God you are talking about? I am also religious. I also have sacrifices. You know what? But you stand there for me and say, Dad, I love you, but I'm going. I'm going. I am going. So you need to realize fighting for Sometimes we fight for flesh and blood, but the decisions we take mm. itself is our witness, it's our testimony. It's like we looked at in Gideon's case. It's not an easy thing. Mm. God says, cut down the altar of your father. Cut down the grove. Take the second bull, seven years old. Make a proper altar and sacrifice it. When the father wakes up in the morning, his altar is gone. His grove is gone. Another altar has been made and the bull is being this thing. And the people of the city come down there to kill. Give your son. But you know what? Because he stood for it, there is a change of mind in his father. Change of mind in his father. We don't know whether it's a real change of mind or because he didn't want his son to be killed, he intervened. But you realize that what he's been asked to do is not easy. But if you look at what Gideon is doing, he's not fighting his father. He's fighting for his father. Yes. Mm. Because if he wins, Israel wins. If Israel wins, his household wins. He's not fighting his father. He's fighting for his father. But his father can see it. You're fighting me. You're rebelling against authority. But the father that doesn't realize the authority of the father is given by God. Mm. If there is no God, you don't have to honor your father and mother. You don't have to. Sometimes parents who dishonor God, mm. disobey God, will use this rod on their children saying that you have to obey me because God says. But you yourself don't honor God. You don't obey God. So we need to realize that's what Jesus says. All power and authority comes from God. Mm-hmm. Comes from God. So God says, honor your parents. She doesn't say when you're an adult, obey your parents. Obey God. Obey God. Even when wives say, wives submit your husband in all things as and unto the Lord. Lord. So sometimes you cannot, you can submit without obeying. Obey. You cannot. Safira could have come, come out alive. When Ananda said, she said, no, honey, I'm not doing it. You want to do it? Go do it. I am not doing it. 
I am not part of it. You know what? Ananias would have died. Safira would have been alive. Did she honor her husband? Yes. Did she obey her husband? No. Mm. I will not. I will not do it. I will not do it. Okay. So we have to, this is not a blanket statement. Mm. This is not a blanket statement. So when God says honor and when God says obey, we obey God. The Sanhedrin told Peter and John, do not preach in the name of Jesus. They said, we should you obey God? Or? They didn't talk about honor. Mm. They said obedience. Honoring, they're honoring the chief priest. You're the priest, you're the heads of the religion, everything, are all part of the same religion. But you know what? We'll obey God. We will not obey you. When it comes to what you are saying, you are speaking like mere men. You're not speaking for God. Yes, yes, yes. You're, you're not speaking like mere men. And you know what? Mm. We'll obey God. Every time you toss the coin, I'll obey God. And I will not obey men. We'll honor him. God bless you. I'm not listening to you. I'll go out and do what God told me to do. So that is the fundamental difference which we need to understand. And these are all part of the battle. Mm. These are all part of the battle. And we have to fight these battles. Is God's will for a Christian automatically guaranteed Mm. or is it linked to prayer and other factors? That's question number four. Question number four. Is God's will for a Christian automatically guaranteed or is it linked to prayer and other No, factors? it is not automatically guaranteed. No. Automatically. No. If God's will, then there is no... You, we need to understand this. When we got saved, we were put in a race. Yes. The race. Okay. Mm. We're not running for our salvation. We are running for our rewards. Mm. So when Paul says, I finish my race... Or Hebrews 2 will say, run with endurance the race that is set before you. That is verse 1, right? Yes. 12, one. Yes. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. Okay? 12-1. 12-1, not 2-12. <laughs> run with endurance. Okay. Okay. Since we have. Let us run with endurance that, that race that is set before you. Why do you run? Why do you run a race? It is not you are running. You are running a race. Why do you run for a race? Because it's a crowd. It's a price. It's an eternal price. Mm. Paul will say that in Corinthians. People in this world run for a crown that is perishable. Mm. We are running for a crown that is imperishable. imperishable. So there is a race. race. This is the will of God that all should overcome and inherit. That's the will of God. Will all overcome and inherit? No. No. There's factors in it. Okay. Like we look at the will of God. There is a will of God that is good. The will of God that is pleasing and the will of God that is perfect. Does everybody reach the perfect will of God? Let's go that way. NIV, can I have NIV? Yes. I think it is. Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. Yes. 12. Sorry, John. You need to practice on this software, okay? (laughs) I know you guys are fast on, uh, okay? Romans 12, 2. 12, 2. Not Hebrews. Romans 12, 2. Okay. Faster on? The normal uh, computer. Oh, this is because it is Mac. Yeah, Mac. Okay. I am slow on every computer. <laughs> Verse 2. Hmm. We come to? Verse 2. Look. Then you will be, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect perfect will. Okay, so there are three categories over there. I have said it before too. Good, there are good people in the church. Mm. They are saved. There are pleasing people in the church. Pleasing to whom? To God. Mm. 
and there are perfect will. I will tell you, any day, it is easier to live with a good person than a pleasing person. You know, these good people are very good. The fellow who is pleasing, he is pleasing to God. It is impossible to please God without faith. faith yes. The minute you start hearing from God and start pleasing. pleasing God, you refuse to be good to the others. I'm not saying you are not good to the others. They will find you, you're, you're a party pooper. You know, you're no fun to be with it. But they are good people. You are a good people. Okay. So, at Haran, Abraham is trying to be good. He's not trying to be pleasing. Mm. And because he's not pleasing, he doesn't hear from, from God. But the day he stepped into promised land, God appeared to him and spoke to him. Now he's pleasing. Mm. Now he's pleasing. Okay. So we need to understand there is this, it, it is, it is like the question says, it is not set. It is not set. Is it God's will for a Christian to, for a automatically guarantee, or is related to prayer and other factors? Yes, it is linked to prayer and other factors. Okay, even even when you become pleasing, okay, even become you pleasing. Let's look at the history of the Protestant movement. It was Martin Luther, the icon, started. Okay, so the Protestants who came out were all good. Then came the question of. Baptism. baptism. That is the pleasing question of and baptism. It split, sprinkling, baby, infant, everything. And one people said, "No, no, it's not true." You look in the record in the Bible. It is not that way. Mm. It is not that way. It has to be adult, meaning accountability, where you know what you are doing, and it has to be immersion. There is no sprinkling, and there is no infant baptism. Over that, Protestant movement again split. split. So mm. from good, you have a set of people who are pleasing. Mm. Good to please. Mm. And there another group looked at her and said, you know what? There is something more to this, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's something more. So you know what? So another group split. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in tongues and all. And once people said it is stopped, they said it cannot be stopped. God does not change. These mm. things cannot stop. We need it more today than it before. So when they became, they were called Pentecostals. They Separate. Mm. So you know there's a constant flow that is taking place. Mm. Constant. I'm not saying that Pentecostals are not good. And Pentecostals are always pleasing. I'm not saying mm. that sometimes Pentecostals have experience with the gifts of the Holy Spirit without in-depth knowledge of the Word of God. So as you go through this, if you have to come to the question of being perfect, mm. It is only when you have come to the point where your surrender is complete. Let, let's look at that portion in the book of James. James 2, chapter 2, and verse 22, 21, 22. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you not see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made? 
When okay. was Abraham's faith made perfect? When he put mm-hmm. Isaac on mm-hmm. the altar, lifted the knife. Mm-hmm. But says now your faith is perfect. Complete. So he's becoming from good. Mm-hmm. When he heard from the Ur of the Chaldeans, mm-hmm. leave your father, leave your father's house, so go to the land. He left, came till Haran. He's a good man. Everybody's happy with him. Father is all because father went with him. <laughs> so he's a good man. But when he moved, moved into the promised land, he became fle- uh, pleasing. Now he's hearing, 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 mm-hmm. hearing. He's pleasing, pleasing, pleasing. Then he's an old man. Probably around 120 years or whatever years. And Isaac is a young boy, young man. And God says one day, take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Mm. The Bible says next morning he left. He took him, took his son up, bound him to the altar, lifted the knife. God says, now your faith is perfect. So there is a What is basically happening over here? Now Abraham's life is completely surrendered. Mm. He has peace about his past, he's standing on grace, and his future is completely surrendered into the hands yes. of God. Because Isaac is his future. Absolutely. Completely mm. surrendered his future. My mm. future, I'm willing to put the knife through the heart of all my plans and purposes for the future. This is it. I'm willing to die to myself. This is it. And mm. God says, now your faith is perfect. I give it back to you. Super. Mm. I give it mm. back to you. So there is this thing. So this, mm. these factors we have to move through are that. Okay. And, uh, Moses realizes that. He comes to the end. That's mm. why his one song, the song of Moses, ascribe mm. greatness to our God. All, All his, his ways, ways are, are just. Perfect. perfect. Yes, perfect. Yes. All his ways. You yeah. understood it. Mm. Can we have it? Yes. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Yeah. All his ways. Deuteronomy 32, verse 3 and 4. Or verse 4 is enough. 32, 4. He is the rock. His work is, is perfect. Super. <laughs> I mean, how did he, I mean, who can say, his, who, which man can say at that point in his life his work is perfect? Mm. What is it? His work in my life is perfect. Where are you going, Moses? Nowhere. Are you entering the promised land? No. no. You're going to die here? Yes. yes. Did you take anybody in? No. His work is perfect. He says perfect. Mm. I've surrendered completely to the will, will of God. God. And I understand he's right. Mm. He's right. And he's mm. perfect. Okay. So Moses has reached that point in his life, in mm. the context of his life. He has reached that point. So we have to move towards from, like I said, this this mystery of threes mm. throughout mm. God's word. Beginning, the Trinity, three. Our time, past, present, future, yesterday, today, tomorrow. Everything is three kings of Israel. Saul, David, Solomon. Okay, it's completely of threes. Okay, the, the, the tabernacle, outer courts, holy place, most holy place. Okay, in, in the, I saw, uh, it's a new heavens and a new earth and a new city. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is this threes all through coming or the good, the pleasing, and the perfect. The perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything is there. These threes are there. And, and when you look into the, John uh, chapter 1, the babes, the youth, and the and fathers. fathers. The threes are all over there. So God says, you know what? You choose. And even in the 40, the 30-fold, 60-fold? Yeah, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. The threes are there. Okay, And God is saying, you choose. I put you in your race. Mm-hmm. And I'm absolutely fair and a just judge. Come, amen. Yes. Just to judge. I'm not a respecter of persons. I'm with you. And by faith, you can overcome. And faith, Bible says, he's given everyone a measure of faith. Nobody started with more faith than another with less. When you started, everybody was given enough faith to be saved. Mm. Enough faith. Now you work on it. Increase. Yes, yes, work on it. Yes. And the faith is the key. When you 
whenever wherever genuine faith comes in grace flows in mm-hmm. romans 52 says we access this grace by, by faith. faith by faith and grace is enough amen and the grace that god gives uh grace that god gives is the same grace i don't get special grace and pastor vijay doesn't get no everybody gets the same grace mm-hmm. it's like the electricity electricity is the same mm-hmm. it's the same how we use it is a different thing okay so god is an absolutely fair so the will of god is there but we are running and therefore people who have that perspective of heaven and all the rewards you read read the seven letters to the seven churches to every church the people in the church god is promising rewards mm, overcome. for overcoming mm. if you overcome this if you overcome this if you overcome this people who are not interested in the rate doesn't want to participate god is promising them nothing he's promising them nothing he says when you were saved you were put in a race and you look at that race Okay, and Paul understand. He says, "Forgetting the things that are behind, I am pressing forward." You have to look at eternity, and then only life will make sense. If you don't look at eternity, and if you don't look at things that are about things that are coming, life will never make sense. You will be bowed down by life. It makes sense only when you look at it, and you realize, you know what? It's exciting, exciting. And even the first question suddenly becomes, "I will not give you more than mm-hmm. you can handle." Or why is this happening to me? Because you are in the race. Mm. But nothing is happening. He's not in the race. He's a good man. You are in faith. You are pleasing. You look at anybody in the Bible. When they started stepping out in faith, trouble started. <laughs> trouble started. Mm. When you say, I have no trouble at all. I am not facing anything. You are not in the race. And when they went farther and farther, the demands on them is even more. Even more. Even more. You know, between pleasing to perfection, the demands are even more higher okay but grace is there grace is there yes pastor so one last question one for last the day mm. why does it often take so long for god to answer a prayer why is persistence required jacob wrestled with god is that what we are supposed to do in prayer i don't like the thought of wrestling with god do you <laughs> <laughs> wrestling in the sense is not it is basically in prayer why does it take so long for god it's not taking god so long you see uh, like what i'm saying is that we have what we call tunnel vision mm. our perspective is very small mm. very small like we say in english no man is an island mm. okay no man is an island God is Father God seeing the whole perspective from heaven. I may say, Lord, why don't you give me that? But God says, if He gives me to that, how many lives it is going to affect it one way or other by if He answers my prayer. Mm. Mm. He answers my prayer. Let us say, God answers a man's prayer. Hezekiah cried. Isaiah comes and says, the Lord has said, put your house in order. We are going to die. He turned to the wall. That's a different lesson. It's a good lesson. He turned his face to the wall, shut the voices, turned his face from the wall, wept, told Lord, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. I've been righteous. Why do you want to take my life now? Okay. And God, by the time he went out of the palace, reached the court, he said, go back and go tell him I'm extending his life. Okay, God answered. But if you look at it, in that 15 years, do you know what Hezekiah did? There was nothing good in that 15 years with Hezekiah did. one he opened up his treasury showed it to the envoys of babylon god said why did you do that now they will come and take it all god left him for us tested him he birthed a manasseh the most wicked king of judah who filled the streets of jerusalem with the blood of innocent 
And that happened in that 15 years because God answered a prayer. When God had actually sent a word to the prophet, put your house in order, die. If he had, probably the history would have been different. Hmm. Okay, so sometimes we need to understand, Lord, you should say, Lord, Lord, don't answer my prayer if it is not your will for me. <laughs> that is why Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We have to, these three things are most important. Lord, let your will. Hmm. If you answer my prayer, does your kingdom come? Mm. Like I said, you cannot, so like I said in the morning, you cannot say thy kingdom come without saying let my kingdom go. Mm. You cannot. You cannot have, have both. Yes. Many of our prayers is that let my kingdom come. Lord, I need resources for my kingdom. Okay, Lord. Basically, we don't say it that way, but that's what it, it is. <laughs> okay. okay. Mm. And that's the thing. Okay. And we need to ask, is it my will or your will? Mm. We can sell it nicely. We are good snake oil salesmen. We can put it across my will as your will. <laughs> well, God knows. Okay. And the third thing we need to ask is that if you answer my prayer, does your name hallowed? Wow. Amen. Does, is your name glorified? What happens to your name? If you answer my, what happens to your name? If you answer my prayer, what will happen to your name? No, your reputation. Hmm. What happens to your name? What, let's put it as reputation. What happens to your reputation? Is God glorified? Is it God glorified? Do you get glorified? That's what God told David. You know, by, you know what? People are mocking my name. Because they know you are a man. I told everybody you are a man after my own heart. That's it. All the angels heard. Everybody heard. You know? God says not Saul. He's gonna, the demons loved Saul. But they did not like David. Because God made a public declaration. When God speaks to a prophet and the prophet says that the whole demonic world heard. What is that? Here is a man after my own heart. And when God said, you said, I, I made a public declaration about you. And you know what? You messed up my name. Messed up my name. <laughs> messed up my name. So we need to ask, Lord, when we do certain things, when we ask for certain things, is your name glorified? Hmm. Is it your will or my will? Is it your kingdom? So that's a fundamental prayer. A fundamental prayer. You cannot take scripture alone and say, like, no, people, I believe that. I do believe that part of it. It is God's will for you to be healed. I do believe that. Are you willing? Jesus said, I am willing. (coughs) I am willing. Okay. Now let me put it, flip it across and ask me, was it God's will for Hezekiah to be healed? (laughs) flip it across see the thing is that yes healing is the will of God but do you know your future do you know that man's future that he's at this point of nearing death and so close to salvation on the other hand he lives for 10 years is going to go down the road. Is healing God's will? Yes and no. On a big level, yes, God wants to heal everybody. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to heal anybody. But sometimes we need to ask ourselves, is healing good for Lord? Is it good healing good for that person? I don't know. So Lord, heal it. I will claim everything under this very promise in the book for healing. But at the end of the day, Lord, should Hezekiah have died? Or should Hezekiah have lived? <coughs> it's a question. And the scripture says that Manasseh was a worse. Worse. And because of him, even though he repented, 
No. Yeah, the nation went down. The king goes down, the nation goes yeah, down. No turning back for the nation. No turning back, for, back the for the nation. So we have to look at the big picture. Very, very big picture. Okay? Oh, so boy. it is not as simple as we, which will take the last question also. I, it's done, Pastor. All no, this one question is there, the last one. I think you picked uh, one. Okay. The, no, yeah, we did question it number seven. Six. No, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, got okay, it. There's one question. I okay, just want to finish it up. Uh, sure, sure. I didn't see that. Okay, okay. Let's finish. We have time. Ten yeah, minutes. Yeah. Hmm? Question, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let us have those two scriptures, okay? Or, uh, yeah. Oh. You get it? You didn't get question number seven? Okay, I will read it. Yeah. Luke 9, 50. Hmm. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Hmm. On our side. Okay, I'm reading from KJV. Hmm. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for who is not against us is on our side. Luke 11.23 He who is not with me is against me, mm-hmm. and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. The about to seem contradictory, please. Please explain. It seems to be contradicting each other, if you look at it. In the first one, he says, <coughs> Yeah, for he that is not against us is for, for us. us. But in the second one, he says, He that is not with me is against me. Okay. He who does not gather with me scatters. Okay, okay. But it, it is actually not contradictory. Mm. It is not actually contradictory. You have to look at the context mm. in which. In the first context, somebody is saying, Lord, Lord, somebody is casting out demons in your name. Shall we stop him? He just said, no, he's doing my work, right? Mm. He's doing my work. Let him do. Mm. Somebody gets healed and delivered. Let every NGO, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, Jain, work. Hallelujah. <laughs> They're doing good. Hmm. Only Christian. No. Every NGO which is doing good work, let it do. Humanity is blessed. <coughs> let it work. It work. If somebody is getting healed, it's fine. But in the second case, when he's casting out demons, the Pharisees say he's doing it with the power of Beelzebub. Beelzebub. The context is different. Mm. Yeah, you're doing good, but you're doing it with the power of the devil. <laughs> power of the devil. And he comes and says, you know what? Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. That way. The power, the enemy's kingdom is not divided. Well, it, yes. It's not divided. Okay, so the context when he's talking, the second one is a completely different con- context. So you have to look at the context in which Jesus is talking about. Mm-hmm. So in that context, he's saying, he who is not with me is against, against me. me. Now he's talking about religious leaders. He's not talking about social work. Amen. It's not social work. He's not talking about good works. He's talking about religious leaders. The religion that takes you, or religious leaders who take you from salvation, the true salvation, who oppose Jesus Christ. Yes. Who oppose Christ. He says, be careful. He who is not with me. When it comes to salvation, yes. God has given only one name, mm. the name of Jesus Christ. There is no name, absolutely no name mm. under which man can be saved. And then you work against that name, you're against me. He who is not with me is against yes. me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. So you can have a false church with 10,000 people. You can have another religious structure with 2 million people. He says, you know what, you're gathering. But you will scatter. Hmm. None of them will make it. Because you are not gathering with me. If you have to gather, you have to gather with me. My, my name. There's yeah. no other savior. Mm-hmm. There's no other savior. Mm-hmm. 
no other savior. There's no other gospel. That's why Paul says, if I myself come and preach another gospel or even angel itself, let him be cursed. The gospel cannot be changed. It's a gospel of grace and a gospel of grace. So it's not grace and law. Like so many people have fallen away. It's impossible to talk to them. They've gone into this messianic, this thing. They've brought the law in, celebrating all the festivals and the dates and all the Jewish things has come in. It's very difficult to talk to them. Or they have gone to the other side. So like in this narrow path, there are two ditches on both sides. One is a ditch of the law. The other is a ditch of the world. They will say, no, your best life now and all, joy lost in and all about prosperity, life. It's all about this life. All about this world. That's other ditch. Love not the world or the things. So people who have gone, fallen into these two ditches, you know how difficult it is to change them, to get them back to that narrow path. Jesus said the way is very narrow. The gate is very straight and very few who will find it. Very few. He's not talking about primarily just all, just about salvation. He's talking about who will reach that perfection state from way to truth to life. It's very difficult. So we have to be very, very careful about it. In so many ways, sometimes we will realize the pulpit itself can go against him by twisting scripture, changing the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is very simple. (laughs) Eternity is what real life is. Real life is there. This life is not what is real. In this life, it is a battle. Stay in the battle, stay focused, fight through, come out as an overcomer. So whatever you lose over it, see it has gain. And you should be losing for the right cause. Mm. Okay? Right cause. And that's how you have to fight this battle. That whatever happens, your eyes are fixed on Christ Jesus. Don't take your eyes off. If you take your eyes off, you will sink. We will say, Peter sank in the water. But we don't sink in water. We sink in the world. Mm. We sink in the law. We just sink in the world. We go with the world. Okay? And God is overall watching his children. Like I said, David had many sons. Only one son became a king. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that king, he's the only one who didn't rebel against his father. Why didn't he rebel against his father? David had many wives, so his sons had many mothers. She was the only mother who did not turn the heart of the son against his father. That is Bathsheba. Never spoke. Yet, among all the wives, if somebody should have been bitter and turned the heart of the son against his father, it should have been Bathsheba. Because she was forcibly taken from a righteous man and taken and his husband was killed and he married. She could have been lost her child. Usually people become very bitter. Not Bethsheba. Not Bethsheba. And entire Proverbs 31 is what his mother taught Solomon. And that woman he's talking about is his mother. <laughs> he looked at his mother and said, you know what? And when Solomon dedicates the temple, I've said it many times, when Solomon dedicates the temple, in his prayer of dedication, you look, he talks about God and he talks about his father. He talks about God and talks about his father. You know why? Because his mother taught him to honor his father. He had all his faults. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a liar. He was all that. But she covered it from the son. She said, learn to honor your father because he is the head. He is the head. Because if you dishonor your head, the head is not the mother. The head is your father. Mm-hmm. The head is your father. If you dishonor your head, you know what happens? Dishonor your head. You will you will mess up. And always remember, the, the, the man is the head. 
man is the head. You have a family. Let us say, let us say you have a family. The father is okay. I'm telling you about people. Even if your mother comes to stay with you and she is a widow, she is not the head. The son is the head. Mm. There is no headship of women in the Bible. Mm. The mother is not the head. The son is the head. You look in the whole picture of, about Rebecca's this thing. Do you hear the mother speaking? No. The father is not there in the picture. Laban is the head. Mm-hmm. Laban speaks. The mother doesn't speak. Laban is the brother actually. Laban, Laban is, is the brother. brother. He's not the father. He's the brother. But he mm-hmm. speaks because the mother is there. Mm-hmm. I don't think the mother is dead. Mm-hmm. The mother is there. But she doesn't speak mm-hmm. because protocol demands. The man Absolutely. is the head. Mm-hmm. man is the head. We have to understand these pictures. Understand these pictures. The mother doesn't come and speak and say, you need to do that, mom. That is what happened. Jesus goes baptized, comes out. He's out of the home and he's the head. The mother comes and says, what is it got to do with you? What is God with you? On the other hand, if Joseph had been alive and Joseph had told Jesus, Jesus would have answered probably in a different way. He wouldn't have told, what is God to do with you? He would have probably told. You see, when his father was alive and his mother was with him, he told his mother, I'm at my father's mm-hmm. business. He didn't say, what is God to do with you? Mm-hmm. There are two fathers. Mommy, I'm obeying my father, mm-hmm. the heavenly father. When the father is not in the picture, he says, what's that God to do with you? It's over. It's done. In this situation, I'm the head. You don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me what to do. Okay, we have to understand these pictures, otherwise people will not get these pictures because that is where truth comes and it becomes offensive. There are fights in the battle. They will see all kind of things without realizing the law that is laid in the house is the law of the man. Mm. And that man has to be under the headship of Christ. The issue happens when men are not under the headship mm. of Christ. But the law in the house is the law of the head. It's not the law of the woman law of the woman. It doesn't work that way. So the man has to be very, very careful to see he's the, at the headship of Christ because he does not have authority on his head. What he has is delegated authority. Yes. All of us have only delegated authority. Therefore, he is a channel for the headship of God through the headship of Christ to flow, flow into his family. family. That is the whole thing. Mm. And you know, when that happens, there may be conflict, but you stand firm. Yes, you know, you are right. Mm. You are right. And people have an issue, and that's the whole mess in this world. And they are after patriarchy. patriarchy yes. <laughs> you need to understand the whole revolt against patriarchy, patriarchy. What is that? It is about headship. It's about headship. And we need, I need to, when women ask me this question, let me honestly tell you, when women ask me the question, uncle, uncle, uh, pastor, mm, I need to work. I need to go and take a job. I need to work because we are struggling. Is it okay for a woman to leave a home and work? I say, it's nothing. You can work. It's a mutual. God is not stopping you from working. But I will tell you, for your own safety, the work you choose should not be admin. Hmm. You should never pick a job or anything. A woman should never pick a job or a workplace where she is the head. It will destroy your home. Because you cannot serve two masters. You cannot handle two pressures. So I said, what you should do is that. You see, in the government, everything is possible in government. If you need a promotion, you write, you need an exam. And I know women who will not take an exam, they remain as a clerk until they die where they have another head so that I can take care of my home. I'm working here for the case of my home. I will not be head. Because the minute you become head of anything in the world, responsibility comes, burden comes, and it will be always at the cost cost of of your your home. home. She understands that. You know what? I go there and become the head and become career oriented at this thing and all. You know what? Who will suffer? My home will go. My home will go. On the other hand, I will go to work. 
But you know what? I will stay under something. I will just do what he or she stays. She wants to be there. That's a problem. I will do and I will come back home, take care of my home. I don't want promotion. Because if you're promoted, you need to write an exam. Hmm. And then only you're promoted. I don't want. My salary can go up basically. That's okay. I'm content with that. You know why? I look into eternity and realize, you know what? I got a home. The wise woman builds a home. So a woman should never take headship of anything. If she does, she will lose her home. And she will cry all the days of her life. She will lose her home. Because it's got to do with headship. Headship comes with responsibility. And you cannot have responsibility of two different things. A wise woman is called to build her home, not break her home. So even when you choose a job, when you have a single mother or otherwise you need a job to help your husband through, you should always pray, Lord, give me a job where I just follow somebody's orders and I don't want to be the head of anything so that I can keep my eye on my home and pray my home through. That's how it works. These are fundamental principles. If you believe, if you obey, God will. But we don't. But God is such a nice daddy. He takes us through it all. He doesn't <laughs> condemn us. But in eternity, we look and say, oh, I goofed up. I didn't realize I could have got all these things. I just goofed up. Ost. Okay? We shall pray. Because we have curfew coming in and a few half 45 minutes. Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Help us to put first things first. It's always that way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a God, kingdom of order, principles. Help us to seek that constantly. Mm. And your righteousness. Amen. Yes, Lord. Always your righteousness that mm. comes by faith and faith alone. And God said, all the other things we need for this life, you will add. Yes. Mm. Help us, Lord. Every day that is a struggle to put what you have said first, first. But we just thank you when we fail, when we falter, when we stumble, when we fall, you still lift us up. It's not because we are righteous, but because of your righteousness in us. You said even if the righteous man stumbles, falls seven times, you will still lift him up. Mm. We just want to thank you for your mercy and your grace. One day we stand in your presence, we will realize it was only by your mercy and your grace that we made it. Only. For what is man? Like grass here and gone, like the flower blooming today, fading by evening. We are nothing. And yet you love us. We just want to thank you. Thank you, Father. I thank you for everyone who tuned in, who are listening. And I speak healing for their body peace and rest for their soul, O God, O Father. And I pray, as we heard in the morning, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of our understanding that we can truly see eternity. Truly see what is coming and the eternity that is coming. The glory of heaven and the horror of hell. Live life according to that vision, Lord. But all this will pass away soon. And we look forward to eternity, Lord. Our day without end will begin with you. No tear, no sorrow, no grief. Living with our Father forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless your people in your name. Bless your people in your name. Thank you, Lord. 
for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.